Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, nasty November selling, wiping out the S&P's gains for the year. But top technician Rob Slimer of Fundstride has three stocks he's calling bargain buys. We'll get the names. Plus, Facebook shares rallying as CEO Mark Zuckerberg defends himself and his company. Is this a sign the worst could be behind the embattled social stock? But we start with the markets. The Dow erasing a 200-point gain today. As the Grinch comes early this year, the market's having the worst Thanksgiving week since 2011. The Dow and S&P 500 sitting in correction territory, down more than 9% from their highs. The Nasdaq down 14% from its high. Are there any hopes that a Santa rally can actually come and save the market? Guy. I hate those campy things. And you knew when you what? said it. What's campy? Campy. <laughs> Santa Claus rally. Right? Gobble, that, gobble. Gobble, gobble. I didn't say gobble, gobble. No, you just thought it. You saw it. And you, when, when you say it, there's a part of you that says to yourself, I wish I wasn't saying Santa Claus rally, because I know you. Admit it. That's uh, is it true. true? <laughs> it's a little true. Now, <laughs> are we going to have a Santa Claus rally guy? Yeah. What's, after all that? Look, what's I, the bottom I, line? I think there's, a ch- there's absolutely a chance. I mean, there's no question that you could see. Listen, the Fed backed off. They got a little more dovish. That's an encouraging sign, I think, for the bulls. Maybe President Trump and President Xi pull rabbit out of the hat and get a deal done over the next couple of weeks. That would be extraordinarily positive. I got to tell you, some of the rhetoric today sort of points towards maybe a deal getting done on November. What's what's the date we're looking for? November 30th. 30th or so, whenever that meeting is. So there's clearly a Friday. But we've seen the market bounce less. We see the market bounce less with every one of those headlines. Today's action was lousy. I mean, close on the lows. lows. You you need to test 2603 or 2532. I don't I, I don't see fear or panic. I see fear. I don't see panic. You need panic. You need the capitulation. Right you now, we're no man's you, land. you have not had one of those days where everyone feels as if the world is coming to an end. What about yesterday? Was down like six? Still didn't something feel that. in ten thirty or so. Yeah, you still didn't feel that overwhelmingly panicky sell pressure in the market. It's almost where people say, "All right, where does it end, or where do I step in and buy?" And it? we closed two hundred points stuff. off the lows too yesterday. Yes. so that was. Yeah, you know, no, you have to be disappointed by this. It's a light volume day. No one's paying attention. The bears went home, so there was no one left to sell. And I think Friday's going to look a lot like that, too. I, I think we have had a couple different data points also this week that have not been terribly good for the economy. I don't think the economy's falling off a cliff. Um, I don't think the Fed has gotten particularly softer. I think expectations on the Fed have gotten softer. I think the Fed is going to do what they do. And I, I think, you know, based upon that, you know, we talked about 2011 was the last time we had this kind of, you know, this feels a lot like 2011, which also means that the first few days of November, November felt a lot like the first few days of September in 2011, when, in fact, people got so badly whipsawed. And then uh, after a terrible August and a devastating August, we came into the end of the month, early September, you had a rally, and then people got destroyed before markets rallied in the first week of October. What was the, uh, the, the metaphor or the things that tie those together is people were very concerned about growth back then. And I, I get the sense that people are more concerned about growth than they should be because of what's going on well, in Powell China. Powell definitely but, got a little softer, to Guy's point, last uh, couple days ago, or was it last week, with this. Powell didn't speak this week. You had New York Fed talking this week, reiterating what I think is, look, a message. I don't think the Fed is is looking to step away from what they are doing. And I don't think that the Fed is ready to say that anything has changed for them. They are not going to follow the market. Right. He, I think you're talking about the Q&A that he yeah. had in, in Dallas. Right. This week he's going to be. he's going to speak again. Right. And this only, if you look at the, the uh, basically the probability is only 71%. They usually like that in the 90s for, for it to confirm. Yeah. Well, there's two parts of that, though. There's what are they going to do in December, which most likely raise. And then the bigger part, I think, is the rhetoric about what's happening in the economy and what the plan is for next year. 
That, I think, you know, that'll be important. But to me, it's still trade as the most important issue. I hope we see something constructive. I do not expect it to be resolved right around the 30th or whenever, the, you know, the, the meeting is over. This is a very complicated issue. Sure. So I think it would be very positive to see them back off the January 1 tariff hikes. Mm -hmm. That would be really important. I didn't love yesterday markets down a lot. It seems like they, you know, Cudlow comes out to sort of calm the market down whenever it's down a lot. I don't love that, the reaction to the market all the time. However, this president has chosen to have the market as his barometer. And I think trade would be, a trade deal would be the very best thing he could do, not just for the market, but I think for the economy, for businesses are starting to be nervous. They don't know what their costs are going to be. They don't, that's not a great it position to, to be It almost feel, in. though, that trade doesn't have where guys start off the show. It, it doesn't feel like you have that bang for your buck anymore with yeah. the headlines. Because what, we don't Cutlow, believe it. we didn't get it. Because right. we don't believe it anymore. But even, I, I think it's going to be a process where if we get a bad deal, good word, a bad deal, I don't think that's enough. I, you know, I think Trump always sets it up for, I want to have this really historic deal. I don't think it's going to be a historic deal. I think it's going to be a deal. And the market's going to see right through that. Uh, whatever deal he has, he'll say it's historic, regardless right. of will. what the deal is. Right. And I, I don't think that's going to get us. At least, first of all, the calculus has changed. Look, I think the bottom line here, folks, is that the market is, is, is contemplating that S&P earnings are not going to grow 7% next year, that equities have a lot of great news priced into them, that the, the tax cut was not a, a, a perennial event. Guy, when you're planting your flowers, you plant annuals and you plant mm. perennials. Mm. I would argue that this is more mm -hmm. of an annual planting, and I don't think you're going to get your hostas coming so up like next year. it's like a tulip spring. as opposed Guy to Don. a... Tulips are perennial. I mean, uh, they come back every, every year. Every year. Oh, they oh, yeah. flower also every year. It's impressive. Lily comes yeah. back every year. Got to, oh, yeah. that's right. But there's some things that, you know, they, they come and, they, and then they one die, you pull the sucker out and anyway. then you, you move on. It's amazing that you do this. You know, I, I will say this. All the guidance we're seeing from a lot of these companies, I don't really think the Fed has anything to do with the lowered guidance. And maybe it has a little to do with the tariffs and they don't have visibility going forward. But the, to Tim's point, things are actually just slowing down. And maybe the market does go lower after 10 years of it going straight yeah. up. You know what stood out to me? The price action in Apple. So Apple Miserable. today, right, underperformed all the indices, all day long, finished in the red. I mean, can you rally? Can you actually have any sort of convincing bounce, a hope for a convincing bounce, if you have Apple sitting out? Well, I, I think that when you consider, again, the weight that Apple has, whether it's in the S&P, whether it has in, in the triple Qs, it, this is the problem. And, and I don't think we're seeing new money allocated into the market overall. And so when you have people selling, uh, the good news here is that I just don't, you know, the fund flows don't indicate that the ETF world has really started to give up hope. And in fact, that's, that's great news. And I think the, the, the concern we have about it an Apple is this is uh, a stock for all seasons. Don't it's you want to see? I don't mean to interrupt for, you, but for growth for value players, you name it, and it's. Don't it's you want to see the market give up hope though to form a real credible bounce or a so bottom? So you want to see them throwing the towel on Apple? I want to see them see throwing the towel on Apple. You make the case. I was going to say you could make the case that they have thrown in the towel on Apple, but I think you need to see that real flush, and I don't think we've seen it yet. So I want to see that flush because I don't think. To Tim's but, point, I don't think we've seen it yet. But we, you know, we're, we're trying to find a neat little allegory for this. And I, I hear that, Steve. We've, we've all looked at the, 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 the recoveries that we've had. They've needed to have some crescendo and some big uh, fallout, as we've said here. Apple, Apple's done 25% down in, in about 30 sessions. That's extraordinary. Um, but the way I look at the, this is a slow bleed right now. And it includes uh, problems in Europe. I'm going to continue to talk about Europe. I'm going to continue to talk about uh, at least the, the dynamic on trade, the dynamic with the Fed. Those things aren't going to change Apple's between now and year Apple's up still 4%. End. So to your point about a flush, it's up yeah. 4% year to date. 
the, the markets of the indices have given back. Wait, so are you all saying that you profit, want to see Apple wipe out its gains? Yeah, I want to see year? it wipe out gains. I want to see you. You got to see a flush. You can't tell me a stock has been flushed when it's still positive on the year. That's Why? not Why? That's such it, an arbitrary date. No, no, you got to see a real, there's people is, holding on Apple. Have you, have you talked to people, are they selling their Apple yet? I'm still long but, but Apple. I, I, bought, Apple? I bought Apple at 190 after the last round of earnings. As far as I'm concerned, it's been flushed. So, I mean, I, you I don't. You bought it at 190. Most people bought it a lot lower. It doesn't I, matter what price you paid for it's it. Up 4%. It is what it is There's right no flush now. in Apple yet. People, people have not thrown in the towel with Apple. If Apple was thrown in the towel, you would see it. What is don't the towel tell, then? What is for, the price of the towel? First of all, split Apple up. was being bought as a value stock <laughs> okay. and as a growth stock. Come right? on, Capon, Capon in there. Split them up. As a value stock and a growth stock. So you need to see it be flush now. People are still believing what, I'm asking savior. you, what price is a flush? I think down 25 is, you know, flushy. Kind still of. positive. Still positive when the indexes are low, are, are flat to lower but on why, the year. Why is the Can why we make is this it a triple box? Year? Um, <laughs> why 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 is it that we have to care about year-to-date performance? Right. Unless oh this gosh. is really about is this a tax everybody selling? against Steve. Hold on, everyone. Everyone's against. Is everyone's against. Here's the thing. Are you in the Come on, guys. Where are you? Where are you in this? I'm over on the left. No, no, no. Oh, where am I? In this debate. In this debate. I knew it. Listen, I don't think necessarily that being up, down on the year up. I mean. To me, a flush is when you see three, four times normal volume on a, on a day where it makes it either a new all-time low or a new 52-week low, and we haven't seen that yet. When we see a five times normal volume day in Apple, then I'll say we've seen the flush. To Karen's point, though, it's a pretty significant move to the downside. Yeah. And if you've been waiting for this, the Apple story, and I don't think it's fundamentally changed. The way they are telling their story changed, but the Apple story itself hasn't. All right. Well, one of Wall Street's biggest bulls says the bottom isn't in just yet. Tony Dwyer of Canaccord Genuity joins us now. Tony, one of the biggest bulls on Wall Street. Yep. And You're getting I won't scarcer be until the yield curve and inverts, and I bore you to death with that. I'm going to be bullish until the end of this cycle, af- well after the yield curve inverts. But let me answer the, the flush question. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Thank you. But the flush question is the NASDAQ composite has down the 10-week rate of change, which is a good indicator on how, like, intermediate-term oversold you are. The 10-week rate of change on the NASDAQ composite, hit a min- it's at a minus 12. When I look back outside of a secular bear market, a recession-driven secular bear market, in 1973, you, you've had double-digit gains in the NASDAQ comp six and 12 months after that every time. So when I look back, what's a flush? I don't know if the bottom is in. I think the problem that we get into on Wall Street is we try and guess what the price is, what the exact pinpoint time it is. What I'm saying is whatever you, the indicators that I follow, unless you're in a recession-driven bear market, Whatever you lose from here, you will make up very quickly on an intermediate term oversold bounce. We've called it, you know, this retesting process, the, the slop, dr- pop, and drop. And the, we're in the drop phase. We're in that retesting phase. So what are the, we've looked for signs of when you're out of that, and there's signs that do show up. So in October, you had a price target uh, year-end of 3200 Right. Then you knocked it down to 2950 and more recently you knocked it down to 2900 no, is that right? No, 2900 okay. to 2950. Okay. And basically to to make it clear that sounds like I'm turning bearish right at the low and that's what happened was when you've had a 9% drop in the S&P 500 it takes a median 71 days to recoup that loss in a non-recession environment. 
So it's statistics. You guys know me. It's not emotion. It's data. And the data is when you have that kind of a flush in the S&P 500, it takes more than three months to get it back. So by definition, that pushes you out. I think it's really important to kind of identify that at the peak when we were on the show talking about an environment ripe for volatility, you had investors intelligence bulls were at 61 percent. The VIX was at 11 Right. The S&P, my trusty stochastic indicator that we've weekly indicator we've used on here was at 95. That was an environment where you want to say, hey, you're going to have a correction. You're right. for It was worse than I thought it was, clearly. But now we've got investors intelligence bulls at 39 percent, almost half. That's sure to come down again, given how great it is this week. Sarcasm. Um, You've got the weekly stochastic already hit near a historic low at 25 in the end of October, which is when we identified the bottoming process. So the VIX is above 20 for the bulk of the last month. You're in the opposite. You're ripe for a pop more than you are ripe for increased volatility from here. Just quickly, which sectors do you want to be if you are a believer that there is this rise uh, to 2950-ish? And I've said, you know, as you know, I've said I'm pretty good at being wrong. I've proved that with the financials. (laughs) I've proved that with a couple of my sector calls. If you believe that the Fed is going to pause after the next rate hike or even after two more rate hikes, and nine, that would be a 1994 environment, the end of 94, when you almost inverted the curve, but you didn't. You went from good employment uh-huh. to a really slow economy, financials, industrials, tech, Is that and your belief when you set this price target, that your assumption is the Fed is going to hike in December and then pause? Yes. Okay. So right. then what, I, sector? what sector? They don't need to. What they need to do, what happened in 1994, the only time that you've been able to do what the Fed's done and kept going without inverting the curve and causing a recession was 94. We're replicating that. As long as we do that, it doesn't matter if they do it one or two more times. It's the tone change that the guys were talking about. Tony, thank you. Thank you, Happy Mom. Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. Gobble, gobble. I knew yeah. I was waiting for it. Anacord, annuity. <laughs> so I think the, I, my, my scenario is still the following. I still think the S&P trades down to 2530 or so, a level that Steve talked about. That's about 110 or so, 120 S&P points from here, and we bounce into year end. Now, next year... I get extraordinarily cautious for a lot of the reasons that Tony said. I just think it's going to happen a lot quicker. A couple things. I mean, you know, what might turn if the Fed steps away to answer Tony's question? Look, emerging markets just from the lows of October have outperformed the S&P by 7%. I'm not going to tell you to go out and buy emerging markets, although tactically I've said that at times. I, t- I said it after the midterms, and you're down about 2% on that trade. Not so good. Um, but it's important to note that the things that were acting the poorest look exhausted. And that's actually not bad. So emerging markets, which seem to be at the center of this storm, since the U.S. started selling off, and we talked about this, U.S. versus the rest of the world, right. rest of the world in terms of emerging markets, outperforming significantly from that point. Europe, not so much. DAX making new lows. All right. And just quickly, would tech fall into that category? If the I, Fed hikes in December and pauses, does that rip? I would think that it has to rip. That, that would rip. But I'd be a seller of rallies, not a buyer of dips at this point. Okay. The sell-off putting three quarters of the S&P 500 in a correction or worse. But top technician Rob Slimer's three under-the-radar stocks, he says, are about to break out to the upside. He'll tell us what they are next. Plus, Facebook fights back, shares rallying as CEO Mark Zuckerberg defends himself in an interview last night. Could the tide finally be turning for the embattled social stock? And airline stocks soaring today as millions of Americans head to the airports for the long weekend. CNBC's Phil LeBeau is at Chicago O'Hare in the thick of it. It's pretty thin out there, Phil. <laughs> it's relatively calm, Melissa. What's the old saying? Less is more. We'll tell you why that formula is paying off for the airlines at the start of this holiday travel season when Fast Money returns after this.
Welcome back to Fast Money Airlines flying high on this very busy travel day. Phil LeBeau is at O'Hare International Airport in Chicago with Warren. What's making those stocks soar? Hey, Phil. Hey, Melissa, they've got three things going for them right now. That's what the airlines have in their favor. First of all, record Thanksgiving traffic. About three million people will fly today. A record 30.6 million are expected to fly over the entire Thanksgiving uh, holiday weekend, if you will. There is also a smooth start to this holiday weekend. No major storms, no widespread cancellations. That's what the airlines need because they have more passengers than ever who are paying higher fees, and yes, that's good for revenue generation, as well as slightly higher airfares. In addition, when you look at what's happening for the airlines, they need some momentum because as you look at the airline index, it's not doing terribly well. Jet fuel is down over the last couple of months. That's certainly helping. But in terms of the airline index, we're on track to see the worst year since 2015 for airline stocks. The one exception, Melissa, take a look at United. Now, admittedly, United had a rough 2017, so 2018 is making up for some of that, but also because they've been doing more to generate more revenue. That's been helping in terms of the margins as well, and that's why United, the best-performing airline stock among the majors out there, this year. Melissa, back to you. All right, Phil, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Phil LeBeau at O'Hare International Airport. All right, so airlines, Tim, um, they've also helped, obviously, by the drop in uh, oil prices. Yeah, obviously. so I, and I have to say that I think airlines, even before the drop in oil prices, although that's certainly helped, were, were actually quite defensive. And I would also argue that airlines have had a great year. Um, in other words, if you look at the trading range on some of these, even Delta, you know, basically was trading around uh, 50 bucks, has been trading up closer to 60. United has, as Phil pointed out, has been a great story. For the airlines, it's not about jet fuel. It's about discipline on supply, on the supply routes and how efficient they're going to be. And I think we are concerned about new capacity being brought online early in the year. They've been very disciplined in the last couple of quarters. That's what I listen to. I, I, well, I'm long with Tim on the airlines. I disagree a little bit about the jet fuel thing. I mean, we, the capacity story has been for the most of the year. But they, when they re- released their earnings for the last quarter, oil was $73, right? It's 54 now. Oil is the second biggest expense they have by a very slim margin. So it's 25% of their costs. So you have that kind of move, mm-hmm. and they're flying at capacity, right? And they get that kind of savings on jet fuel. Now, I know they're hedged. But that's an enormous move. You look at the chart, there's an inverse relationship between jet fuel and, and the airline. So, yes, it's one of the tailwinds. I don't, I don't think you were saying that it wasn't a tailwind. But I think it's probably the biggest one in October. Yes. I think the jet fuel coming down as, as precipitous as it did, all these airlines ran at exactly the same time. And the oil outlook for, for next year is getting cut. Uh, on the street by a lot. I mean, J.P. Morgan, I was talking to the strategist there today on Power Lunch. His new forecast for 2019 year-end is $61 on WTI. And we were, I mean, we were, quite a we were 85, story. so these guys have yeah. changed it dramatically. Right. And, and that's, frankly, I think that's confusing. I mean, what, what has changed so much in the last couple of weeks, maybe for the, the average, uh, you know, call it the, the, the tourist in the energy sector who doesn't really follow oil, oil analysts aren't tourists. And, and how do you go from 85 to 65? Were you suddenly surprised that there was a million extra barrels on the market? Were you su- suddenly surprised that supply disruption fears or some alignment with U.S. Saudi? They were surprised, they were actually, surprised I, I don't probably by those carve-outs, Let me by the eight-country carve-outs. That increased. Even though if it's six months, they were surprised by that. Would, that was something that was different. I would think most energy traders were also surprised, right? Everybody got caught yeah. off sides on this oil trade in the past couple months, at least. I, I never predict oil well at all. But let me just say one more thing on the airlines. They did a fantastic job. Their earnings were all good. They were able to cut costs, even with oil 
sort of getting out of their, you know, out of where they had, had hedged to be, that, those costs going up a lot. Still, they were able to offset those costs. Now they don't even have that headwind anymore. That's very good for the airline. So I look at Tim real quick, and he's right. I mean, Delta, for example, this year since December has traded from 50 to 60, back to 50, up to 60, and we're smack in the middle of it now. So I'm of the belief that until it sort of breaks that range one way or the other, you sort of stay away from it. But I'll say this quickly. Expedia, if you look at that, and I understand it's not specifically airlines, it, it, it sort of encapsulates a lot of different things. That stock's telling an entirely different story. I mean, that's been going down basically since the summer. So I just think the move recently in the airlines has been on people trying to get ahead of this energy move and hoping they'll sort of catch lightning in a bottle in the year end. All right. Stocks are on sale as nearly half the S&P 500 sits in bear market territory. But one top technician has three names he says could be a major bargain right now. He will tell us what they are next. We are live at the Nasdaq market site in New York City's Times Square. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. The Dow erasing a 200-point gain today and adding to what has been a volatile ride for the markets over the last two months. The S&P is down around 10% from its high hit on September 21st, and more than 70% of those stocks are in a correction territory. But if you are looking for a bargain, our next guest has three stocks he says could break out into year-end. Let's go off the charts with Rob Slimer of Fundstrat Global Advisors at the Plasma. Hey, Rob. Hey, Melissa. So let's take a look at the S&P as a start. It's still in a very tentative situation, whether it's bottoming or not. Uh, A lot of debate here whether this is a retest or not. I actually think it is, but there's a tremendous amount of debate, and there's not a lot of extremely strong technical evidence to say this is the bottom yet. There's a few things that are starting to happen. We're starting to see this RSI data positively diverge. That means we're getting higher lows developing as the market comes back and retests those lows. That's marginally encouraging. And then we see things happening outside of the S&P 500. We see things happening in China. We see the 10-year bond yield peaking. So on the margin, we think things are starting to improve here. And we do have a few stocks I think look completely bombed out that look timely. The market itself, there's a tremendous amount of resistance here around 2,800. So that debate on the market, I think, continues well into December. My view, my opinion, my guess here is that it's going to hold, certainly going into the G20, and then we recover into year end. But let's take a look at some ideas that have a stronger technical setup. So the home builders, they've been a disaster for much of 2018. I think 10-year bond yields have rallied back to the upper end of their secular downturn, the downturn that started in 2018, and are starting to peak. And the home builders have come down a very long way. If we look at that resistance band all the way back through 2013, 14, 15, and it's come right back to the 200-week, we love the 200-week as a long-term support level, and we think it's going to turn. We think they're relatively washed out. The risk-reward is to the upside, certainly through year-end and into the first quarter, so we think there's a seasonal bounce there. Now, where else? This is going to be a little bit of a tough stock to look at, BlackRock. Who wants to own an asset manager in this environment? But again, similar to what we saw with Pulte, this is a stock that's been in a correction for a year. So it's not as though it's just breaking like technology. This is already 12 months or 10 months into the correction. And when we look at this momentum data, this 14-week RSI, that's a pretty deeply oversold level. Last time we saw that was back in the beginning of 2016. So again, names that have come down for an awfully long time, for a year or so, look like they're long-term support of the 200-week moving average. Pretty timely. I like the risk-reward going into year-end, despite the fact that it's an asset manager and all our concerns with uh, passive versus active. And the last one here is AMAT. So applied materials began to peak early at uh, the beginning of 2018, and the relative performance versus the 500 started to roll over. But here again, 
back to the 200 week, you've done a lot of damage. That weekly momentum, that weekly RSI is almost as oversold as we saw at the beginning of 2016. I think these three names on a risk reward basis are pretty positive going into year end, into the first quarter. I think there's a good seasonal bounce coming into those stocks. All right, Rob, come on over. Stephanie will bring the chair over. Thanks, Steph. Thank you. So, Rob, we were having a pretty fierce debate. As we I'm do. not sure if it was really As a debate because it's basically everyone well, against Steve. Yeah. yeah. But, Even though we're but here's all the long, question. <laughs> here's the question. I mean, is Apple, does it look like Apple has flushed? <laughs> and can the markets actually bounce if Apple sits, sits it out? All right. So I heard the debate. So if yeah. we're talking about the flush as in what we saw in 2007, 2000, or 2008, 2009, you're nowhere near there. But I don't think that's the kind of correction we're looking at. I think we're looking at a correction that is more of a cyclical unwind. Apple's getting pretty close. Do I, can I definitively say that's the bottom? No, but I think you're pretty close. I'd be a better buyer here into year end than a seller down at these levels. You just think that we chopped enough wood to the downside at this it's, point? It's pretty. Uh, it's it's what, pretty the chopping wood? Yeah, I mean, we're using some great terms tonight. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty oversold on a short-term yeah, basis. But when you, when you really look at the technicals on the market as a whole, I, I trade them as little grains of sand within the overall market. When you see that the market is flattened to the point of the flush, you sort of need all those heavy lifters. Amazon is still up 28% year-to-date. So the, the conversation of why does year-to-date matter? Because you still have a lot of fat to trim from people who have not thrown in the towel. Well, lots of people bought stocks back in 16 and 17 <laughs> and 18, right? So the year-to-date discussion, it, it's, it's debatable, as you guys have just had that debate. As we debated, I, yeah. I'm, just, I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm actually not convinced it matters that much. I think it's more in that last recent run that we had in Apple, right? So that little pause that we had in the fall where it took off, that's all been unwound. And we see that in a lot of, I mean, think about some of the other technology stocks. Facebook, for example. I'm not a big bull on Facebook, but it's down at the 200-week. We've already crushed an awful lot of technology stocks. NVIDIA's fallen apart. Is it the bottom? I'm not convinced we're there yet on NVIDIA, but you've taken a lot of heavy-duty tech stocks down hard. I think, I think the risk-reward into year-end for the market and a lot of these names is to the upside. Can I make a quick comment on one of Rob's three names? Uh, yes, that would be welcome. Thank you. AMAT stands out to me. Now, AMAT's basically been cut in half. From the beginning of the year, it was a $65 stock. It's trading $35 now, give, give or take. Just reported their fourth quarter, which I thought was very good, but first quarter guidance was miserable. They took the stock out to the woodshed. I think we well, another one. The <laughs> well, metaphor I mean, I is this segment, four total so far. But if you look at it, you had a huge volume day. You wonder how much is in this. And I get semi-equipment's been grim death. But you say to yourself, how much is in the stock? I think most of it is now. And even when analysts took down their prices in mass, they took them down to the 50s. And this is a $35 stock. So I think the risk-reward in an AMAT looks pretty interesting. Well, I mean, a name like BlackRock has been kind of left out in the cold, so to speak, in a world where you have the dynamic of lower fees uh, and expectations, actually, that earnings have been stagnating here. So, you know, the chart to me reflects the business model. It's, this is not a company that's about to fall off a cliff, by the way. This is the, one of the biggest money managers in the world at a time when the world's wealth management industry is very healthy. It pays you a 3.5% dividend. But let's face it. These guys made almost 30 bucks a share in 2017. They're going to make around you know, 29 and change, and they may go down to 28 next year. Fees are compressing in this industry, and I think that's something people are going to continue to push down on the multiple. Yeah. Karen, you like any of the names that Rob pitched? I thought Pool 2 is actually the most interesting. I mean, We need a metaphor, set, though. We need a metaphor. Something. I, you know. It's in the house. Oh. Uh, <laughs> touche. Touche. No, it seems, I mean, there's so much negativity surrounding the whole space, right? And I think that rates was part of it. Rates have reversed. I don't know if that is the impetus to get people to buy a house now. I don't know. We'll see. But, I mean, it's not reflecting a lot of optimism at this point. 
None of them are. And they're yeah. all down as a very heavy-duty support from, from my standpoint. 200-week moving average is great support. You said 200-week. On here we have 200-day. Is that wrong? Uh, I think it's 200-week, okay. actually. It's, it's a weekly chart. Okay. Um, and I think rates are stalling out. I don't think right. a lot Rates of and lumber prices have yes. come in by 40% or so. So you have a good foundation. Ah, Except nice. If you want to buy the home builders. <laughs> it's like the eighth metaphor slash simile mm. this segment. And we're only four minutes in or so. You want to toss one in? Actually, no. What I'd like to do is there are a bunch of people watching this show. I just got to... The Dublin pub in Morristown, the place is packed. They have a huge TV screen on, and they're watching Fast Money. So I'm just saying, this is their pre-holiday party, mm. and they're, they're Fast Money fans. So hi wow. to the folks at the Dublin pub in Morristown. Hello, Dublin yeah. pub. Wow. Hello. We're, so we're doing that these and, days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, who we, see who we say hi to next. <laughs> um, Rob, thank you. Thank Rob you. Slimer of Funstrat. Happy hump day. <laughs> Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg standing his ground amid all the controversy surrounding his company. We'll hear from him in debate whether it's safe to buy the stock, which is now down 35% since July. Plus, cannabis retailers bracing for what will be the first holiday where sales are legal in many states. But there's something else on the horizon that could give pot, spots, pot stocks a boost. We'll tell you what that is when Fast Money comes right back. So you are not stepping down as chairman. That's not the plan. That's not the plan. Um, would anything change that? I mean, like eventually over time. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be doing this forever. But, um, but I, I certainly, I, I'm not currently thinking that that makes sense. That was Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg standing his ground on CNN last night amid the controversy surrounding the company. But it's not just Zuckerberg who's been fighting back. The stock has actually rallied in the past two days, even as the broader market saw red. So could this mean the worst is over for the company? Karen. Yes. Well, I, I, I hope so, because I am long the stock. Kudos to Tim, who's been, I think, writing a lot of uh, editorials on, on this yes, topic CNBC for right. months now. But yes. I, think, I think Mark Zuckerberg is the right person to lead them out of this. And when I think about other CEOs that have been able to, you know, really take some punches but turn around, Oscar Munoz, if it was only 10 or 11 months ago, we were all pretty negative on Oscar Munoz and his ability to lead United Airlines. Mm-hmm. He turned it around. Steve Jobs, the most famous probably, right, left the company, came back and now look at Apple, 160, could have been 230, but whatever. And then Howard Schultz. So I think this kind of founder CEO, not Oscar Munoz, but is, is really important to the business. Plus, you can't vote him out, right? He owns Zuckerberg. You're you stuck can't vote him out. This is a real board, though, right? They don't have some, it's not a Tesla kind of board that, that, that Musk controls. This is a real board. I know you've got Ken Chenault and Erskine Bowles and uh, Susan um, Desmond Hellman. Uh, this is a real board. So I would be very, very, very concerned if they kicked him out. Very. I don't think that should happen at all. I like that the stock has rallied in the last two days. The valuation is very cheap. I, I think earnings will come down for sure, but that's in there. Mark Zuckerberg may be the CEO and may be there forever because there's the voting share structure, but right. is, are these comparisons really comparable? Only because right now the company is facing potential legislation, a regulation that would change the way their core business runs. their core business operates. Um, so, so let's say let's say Starbucks, you know, for some reason lawmakers were infuriated by how they brewed their coffee and said, or "Hey, you got to do this X, Y, and Z to you know to make sure that the caffeine content's not is not too high or whatever." I mean, doesn't that sort of change 
that well, would change the model somewhat. It I mean, could we're, absolutely. We're at a moment where you're thinking, is the model going to change? The model could change, right? That could happen. I mean, we, we think about Microsoft facing a multi-year antitrust. Uh, the model could change here. This is not a crazy price for this business, even if it is chopped up. I don't even know exactly what the best way to do that would be. But, uh, you know, the multiple is not high. The cash is enormous. The business is still a very solid business. With, I understand the margins are coming down, but there's still significant margins here. So You know, but you wonder when the crisis management, I mean, this stock is it's crashed effectively. I mean, if you look yeah. at it, we can say what we want, but it's, it was a $205 stock six months ago. It's trading $137 now. That's a pretty significant move. And then when you have the Mark Benioffs of the world calling it, basically making a comparison to nicotine, that's a real problem. So I don't think Mr. Zuckerberg's made himself a lot of friends, and I think people are coming out of the woodwork now to take shots. I just think that this, look, this is a crisis of trust, and I think it's, you know, here's, let me say something positive about Facebook. They're not alone. Um, but I do think that Facebook, whose core product is being held into question, is being singled out the most, and I think they should be. When I consider corporate governance and I think about how people should be thinking about a stock whose core product has been at risk this entire time and they haven't disclosed that to us, uh, I think this company deserves a bigger beating. I think also investors need to start evaluating companies and have a different investment metric in their toolbox to be assessing cyber risk at companies, especially technology companies. Technically, support in the stock is about 20% lower. Mm -hmm. So if this continues and we start to see fundamentals match up with technicals, you're looking at a couple of year ago support levels, which is a little bit lower from here. Well, options traders are putting their faith in a comeback rally for Facebook. Mike Coe's in San Francisco to break down the action for us. Hey, Mike. Hi there. Yeah, so we have seen a lot of skepticism in the options market for Facebook, and the options prices are still implying quite a lot of volatility uh, in the coming weeks and months. However, I would point out that today we did see bullish bets outpace bearish ones by about three to two. Bullish bets include buyers of calls and sellers of previously purchased puts who are taking profits on their bearish bets. We did see a lot of that activity today as well. One of the trades that stuck out to me, which is really a short-term speculative bet that the stock could have a bounce this coming week, was purchasers of the November 30th weekly 142 strike calls. So those are the 142 strike calls that are going to expire a week from this coming Friday. They were spending about 80 cents for those. Those have about a 15% chance of expiring in the money. So it's a low probability bet, but they're not risking a great deal, 80 cents a share to make a bet that the stock could pop. And let's bear in mind that it was significantly above that 142 strike price only very recently. All right, Mike, thanks for yeah, the that. The weather in San Francisco looks a lot like the trading in, in Facebook. It looks awful out there, Mike. I mean, kind of dreary, huh? That was, that was. It's a, it's, a little, it's a little bit gray, but it's not nearly as smoky. So we're very happy about that. Mm, yes. This is true. Good progress on that. All right, Mike, thank you. Mike Cohen, San Francisco. Um, we're off this Friday, what? by the way. Oh, man. So you can we're pop in an oldie into the VCR like Guy will do. Um, but be back here uh, next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time for a brand new, fresh edition of Options Action. You can always get us online to cnbc.com slash options action. Writing that shop, the retail stocks, uh, the group has been taking a beating lately, but our traders will tell you which names they think could see a big year-end rally. Plus, a number of key bills next week could spark a rally for the pot stocks. We will explain more Fast Money just two minutes away. Welcome back to Fast Money. Can Black Friday boost retail out of the red? Retail is higher today after posting eight straight days of losses. That was the group's longest losing streak ever. Courtney Reagan joins us from a Coles in New Jersey with more on that on what uh, investors and shoppers can expect. Hey, Court. 
Well, the XRT retail ETF is down around 14% over the last three months, Melissa, well underperforming the broader market. Investors are starting to worry that the retail strength that began last holiday season has run its course. But retail CEOs are confident that the holiday season will be strong and their attention is focused on this first big weekend. As it should be, Deloitte expects that 70% of Americans will shop at some point in some way this weekend between Thanksgiving and Cyber Monday. And less than 24 hours from now, those Black Friday sales will be underway in most retailers' stores, even sooner online. Here at Kohl's, doorbusters start at 5 p.m. on Thanksgiving, and doors will stay open until midnight on Black Friday. Now, inventory management is the most important part of the Black Friday planning process. Getting the right products, priced right, and at the right quantity distributed to stores and fulfillment centers, that takes about a year to figure out. Seasonal workers have been trained, and they're going to get their first big test tomorrow. Websites get battle-tested as well to prepare to handle the traffic spike. Macy CEO Jeff Gannett told me this year his website is ready. He doesn't believe they'll run into those same checkout snafus that happened last year on Black Friday. A difficult day to experience trouble like that. Back to you, Melissa. All right, Courtney, thank you. Courtney Reagan at Kohl's. So with so many retail stocks deep in the red, we thought this would be a great time to play. A game. A confusing, a confusing game. That's right, a confusing game, otherwise known as shop it or drop it. And since Guy is here tonight, we will explain exactly how this game works. I will say a stock such as Best Buy, and if you like the name, you say shop it, and you will see this. If you think it is a pass, a sell, you don't want to own it, you say drop it, and you'll see this. All right, great. Got it? Got it. How are you doing Got right it. now? All right. Do I have to go first? Yes, and we'll actually use the Best Buy example that we just <laughs> walked through. It is down 25% in the last three months. Do you shop it or drop it? You know, as, as Karen and Tim see, were saying in the he break, does not play, I don't know how to play the game. The in, in baseball, in sports, if you're shopping a player, you're trying to get rid of that player. Same so, for companies. Same, same with for companies. companies. You're shopping Good your point there. But not on Fast Money. No, no. Fast, so shop it means something I would want to You put buy. it in your bag in and take home with you. Like Amazon, like yeah. your, your Add shopping to cart. cart. Add to cart. Add to Add to cart. To, yes. Drop it means get rid of it. Yes. Best Buy. Okay. Drop yes. it. <laughs> and you're going to say, wait a second, Guy, yeah. this thing, valuation is very reasonable. The stock has gotten obliterated. It seems to have some sort of a capitulatory bottom. Comps were good. All those things are true. But let me say this. You look at their merchandise inventory last quarter was up 23% against extraordinarily paltry sales growth. And it says to me, margins in the next quarter, unless they knock the cover off the ball, mm-hmm. which I don't think they're going to do are going to really be tested. So I think this has a very good chance to see levels we last saw in, I don't know, September of last year-ish, 55 bucks. See, I, I don't agree with that at all. Despite the fact, obviously, guys not going to be running in for a floor buster at Best Buy. No. I would actually be shopping this stock. And look, they're the last man standing in this place. The free cash flow of this company has been now proven. They're buying back a billion and a half dollars of stock a year. I think the comps for last year are the biggest issue here. They were up 9% fourth quarter last year. That's what people are going to be looking at is the bar. But Best Buy, uh, even though Guy is no longer showcasing, I believe is what he sat in those couches all afternoon on a Sunday. That's what Mel football. does. I don't, I don't do that. Do that. I, I you said on air you've done. Very you have said on air that you I go, go to places Best Buy and, look, and I look, and then, you go, and then I go and online and I get the best price. She's not hanging out with the leather couch all afternoon, isn't it? Like you do. No, I do. I like. I don't sit there in a recliner yeah. using the TV all afternoon and then go home. I'm old. 
<laughs> Moving on here, right. Tiffany down 22% over the last three months. Shop it or drop it, Timothy. I tell you what, I'm going to shop this one. And I, not only, hopefully, the blue box will show up at my house this Christmas, um, but the bottom line is this is a company also that's growing kind of high single digits in terms of their global sales. The U.S. same store sales are actually eh, but what they're doing around the world is working for them. They're also freshening up the brand with you know, uh, Tiffany True and whatnot. I think they're All becoming right. more relevant to the young folks. I'm shopping. Well, what about, though, you love to talk about the dollar, the strength of dollar, strength of dollar. They have half of their business outside of the United States, a little more, actually. Yeah, well, I, I don't, first of all, I, to be consistent with that, I don't think that the dollar is a runaway train here. And if anything, I, I, I believe the dollar is probably range-bound. Therefore, I think some of these headwinds and the guidance on, on FX may actually have a chance to be a tailwind if it reverses. All right, next stock, Target taking 17%. Shop it or drop it? Karen. Yeah, shop it. I, I, I thought that was just so overdone. I mean, you know, this is a company that is successfully investing dollars to grow their business, right? I don't know why they got so punished for it. Also, it wasn't like it was a super high flyer stock. That, I thought that was a complete overreaction. You know, the three-day rule. So Friday's a short haul. Monday will be the third day. I, I'm looking to buy this one. You I are. think management. I think management's doing the right Don't stuff. Don't you think here? they got ahead of their skis, though, when you have the CEO saying it's the best environment ever that he's seen for the consumer, and then you see the stock just take off? They it's just been did a, winner. a face plant on their skis. Yeah, it's been it's been a winner. Metaphors, but, but Metaphors. you would, you would think everybody. that going into year end, you've had a number of retail companies warn going to year end about the holiday season. I would think that you would. What am I doing? I would drop, drop it nice. on this one. Why not is this shop so it. Confusing. <laughs> It's, the drop it bag is red. It's not. The shop it's a bag confused. is green. It's not. So last but not confusing. least, Macy's down seven, uh, 14%. Shop it or drop it, Grasso. So Macy's reported they beat on sales and they beat on earnings. They raise full year guidance and the stock gets hit. This is not a fundamental story. This is an environment for the, for the shopper, for the consumer. I would drop it. All right. Still ahead. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's like a delayed reaction. Our pot stock's heading higher for the holidays. Oh, we'll tell you why next week could give more marijuana companies the green light to move into the U.S. More Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Pot stocks lighting up across the board today. And a slate of possible new bills next week could send them even higher. Aditi Royce in San Francisco with the details. Hey, Aditi. Hey there, Melissa. We are at a dispensary here in San Francisco, and this is the first year that California is entering the holiday season as a legal recreational state. And soon, New Jersey could be one step closer to legalizing recreational marijuana before the end of the year. And that's because a whole slate of marijuana bills, including one that would legalize recreational marijuana, just got the green light for a committee hearing on Monday. That's a joint committee between the Senate and the Assembly in New Jersey. Now, if it clears that committee, it means it would go to a floor vote for each house. That could come as early as December. And if the governor of New Jersey signs off on the bills, which he has indicated that he is in support of legalizing recreational marijuana, that means the state could become a legal recreational state by the end of the year. Let's take a closer look at some of these bills. One would legalize recreational marijuana in New Jersey. One would expand the state's medical marijuana program by easing restrictions and would also create a cannabis regulatory commission. And another bill would expunge some marijuana convictions from criminal records. An aide to one of the lawmakers behind these bills tells me that this has been a long time coming, about one or two years that they've been discussing this and debating this. Meantime, we saw a lot of the major cannabis stocks 
lighting up, as you mentioned, Aurora, Kronos, Canopy Growth, Tilray, all in the green, making up some of uh, the ground that they lost after Canadian legalization last month. Back to you guys. All right, Aditi, thank you. Aditi Roy in San Francisco. Um, let's go to our very own pot expert, uh, Tim Seymour, who is long a number of stocks. He also sits on the boards uh, for three stocks. For all of his disclosures, go to fast.cnbc.com for all of them. So A nice green shirt on Aditi. Also talking mm-hmm. about other legislative, you've got the Farm Bill coming through, which probably makes hemp fully legal finally. And that's going to mean kind of a land grab for some of the big national players. Acureleaf, for example, Charlotte's Web already out there. They're in this space. But essentially, without getting too deep into this, hemp essentially with low THC content actually will be different than cannabis, CBD oil, and this is something that really extends the consumer products, the wellness that's trade. A na- that's, a, that's the farm bill as that's opposed the to the New Jersey bill, bills that are which being suddenly considered you've on gotten Monday. momentum okay. on. Very exciting. Final trades up next. Final trade, Tim. Best buy guy. Karen. Sell some footlocker calls in this big bump. Steve. Buy match. Steve. Alibody, 80 years old, in the hospital, watching the show. Get better. Amen. Nice. Yes. Speedy recovery. See you back here Friday. No, Monday at 5. Bad money starts now. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving.